0: Well, hey, it is great to have each of you with us today. Just want to welcome you and say we're glad you're here. Thank you to everybody who's watching online. And uh, just want to say again, thank you to everyone who gave towards Generosity Sunday. This year we wanted to focus on the improvements here in this facility, including a roof, which was a major improvement. And uh, our heart is that this would be a place where we can Reach our community that this will be a place where you can invite people and we want to continue to do that So thank you for your generosity and helping make that happen. Uh, are you guys excited to study God's word today? I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for what God has for us. Thank you uh, We're in a message series here at hope called the art of neighboring Where do we get that from the great commandment? Jesus said is to love the Lord God with all our heart soul strength and mind and to love whom say it with me to love our Neighbor as ourselves and so that's where we get the idea for this series And it's really the idea that God has placed you for a purpose where you are is not an accident He's placed you in a neighborhood. He's placed you on a school campus He's placed you in a workplace and he's placed you there for a reason Uh, You are there because God is placing other people around you who don't know him And we have these amazing opportunities every single day to go out to love our neighbors and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the question we had at the beginning of this series was a simple question. Where do we start? Week one, for those of you who are just joining us, we said we could start very, very basic, very simple. We can start by learning our neighbors' names. Uh, God wants me to love my neighbors, and I don't even... Know their names. So what if we just started by learning our neighbors' names? And we gave you this tool, the Art of Neighboring Block Map. And for those of you who are uh, maybe just joining us today, uh, this is a cool tool. You put your name in the center and then in the spaces around the block map. uh, That's where we begin to meet our neighbors to get to know their names. And uh, maybe you write them down just so you don't forget. I know for me, uh, I hear somebody's name, I almost forget it. Almost immediately, unless I write it down. And so writing down the names of your neighbors is a powerful tool to begin to meet them and to learn their names. And for me, it's, it's really just looked like, to be honest, a series of awkward or mildly awkward conversations where I see that person outside and I've seen him out there many times. I walk over and I just say, hey, my name is Brian, I'm one of your neighbors, and I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. Can I introduce myself? That's a simple way to begin neighboring well. Uh, We want to love our neighbors as ourselves, just like Jesus said, and we can do that very simply by getting to know their names. Last week, we talked about making time for our neighbors. There's so many ways to connect with our neighbors. Maybe it's throwing a party. Maybe it's having a neighbor over for dinner, or it could be serving somebody in an unexpected way. Whatever it is, however you can begin to connect with your neighbors, we said Being a good neighbor isn't about adding another, isn't about adding something to an already busy schedule, but it's about loving people right where we are. So today, uh, we want to talk about this question of what's next? You know, is this it? Is neighboring just about loving people? I had somebody a few years ago say, uh, you know, is this it? Are we going to share the gospel? Are we going to tell people about Jesus? Or are we just going to love them? I had another person even more recently say, I've got some connections with my neighbors, and I'd love to begin to share more about my faith. How do I do that? And that's what I want to do today. I want to talk about a handy tool, another tool. We're giving you tools this year. This tool comes right from Jesus. It's going to help you love your neighbors as yourself to share the good news of Jesus. If you're like me, you've been a Christian for a while. You've, uh, you've heard about some of these evangelistic tools. Anybody? Uh, Some some evangelistic tools for your tool belt. One of them is door-to-door evangelism. I don't know if you've ever done door-to-door evangelism. Done a lot of door-to-door in my day. Had a lot of doors closed in my face. Uh, Heard some four-letter words, those kinds of things. We did Dare to Share conferences for many years. We would go to these conferences. They'd train us in how to share the gospel and then we would get assigned a neighborhood and we would all go into this neighborhood and we would descend and go knocking on doors and ask people if they were to die today would they go to heaven did you want to know for sure if i could tell you in two minutes would that be good news we did all that isn't it funny how we always do door-to-door evangelism in somebody else's neighborhood you guys ever notice that? <laughs> like, that's not a tool we like to use in our own neighborhood. That's true for me. Or maybe uh, gospel tracks. I don't know if you've ever used gospel tracks. In the day, we a couple of years ago, we had a gospel track salesman show up here at Hope Community Church trying to sell us the latest, coolest gospel track. And uh, he, he pulled out a box of, I don't know if you've seen these They're folded up, It looks like a $20 bill. Have you seen that kind of folded up, except it's a fake $20 bill? You you can kind of leave them different places, and it's designed to get somebody's attention. They're walking by. It's like, oh, man, look, I just found $20. And then they open it up, and it says, disappointed? You know, (laughs) you think? (laughs) Well, Jesus won't disappoint. Here's a prayer. You can pray to invite him into your life. And the guy's trying to sell us these Gospel tracks. And you know, you won't believe this, but but he goes, You guys got to get this gospel track. He says, It is the best gospel track of 2019. And I'm thinking, Yo, know, 2,000 years of church history, this is the best we can do, you know? And, and he's going, You guys, you got to get this. We're like, ah, We're not really interested. You got to get this. And, and he goes, If you guys don't get this gospel track, how are people going to find out about Jesus? We're like, we'll tell them, <laughs> you know, like. So here's the question that I want to look at today. We're connecting with our neighbors. Hopefully you're connecting with some people at work or you're connecting with some people at your your campus, your school campus. How do we begin to connect people to Christ? And I want to give you a tool today for sharing Jesus that actually works. And the reason it actually works is because it comes from Jesus Himself. It is Jesus' evangelistic strategy. It comes right from Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up with me to Luke chapter 10. While you're going there, if you want, uh, I'll, just to give you a little bit of a background, Luke chapter 10. Jesus has a big group of disciples here. There's 72 of them. And he's going to send them out. They're going to go into the towns and the villages and they're going to proclaim. The kingdom of God. But before Jesus sends them out, he gives them some very specific instructions. And today we're going to call this Jesus' person of peace strategy. It's a handy tool with five steps to it. Uh, the person of peace strategy. Uh, the, five, the five steps of this uh, handy tool are this. Pray, go, find, stay, and share so this is Jesus's strategies he's sending out his followers here it is pray go find stay and share and I want you to see if you can find these five key steps in Jesus's person of peace strategy as we read Luke 10 1 through 11 so let's read this together see if you can pick these five uh, components out Luke 10:1. after this The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, pray, the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, someone's there, find, your peace will rest on them. If not, it'll return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them, share... Kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. These are Jesus's instructions for us as we go out to share the good news of Christ. Let's pray. We'll dive in. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for giving us some wisdom. Lord, we have a a passion for you. We want to tell the world about you. And sometimes we just don't know how. So I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for uh, a community of faith. Thank you for what you're doing here in our church family and these neighborhoods and all around the world. And I pray that you would give us courage to live for you every single day. Help us now as we study your word in Jesus name. Amen. All right. I'm excited to go through this. This. Uh person of peace strategy with you. It's a great tool that you're going to be able to use as you go from here. Um, The question is, how do we champion Jesus in our relationships? And the first thing we see in this passage, uh, number one, we've got to, do you see it? Pray. Pray. Before we go knocking on doors, we want to pray. Pray. This is what Jesus says in verse two. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What an amazing verse this is. Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. I love that. Harvest is plentiful. I look around in our neighborhood, I look around in our community, and I see a harvest of, of hungry people waiting to hear, the good news of Jesus. We have more opportunities right now to share the love of God than I think any other time before. People are open to God. They're open to hearing about God, especially after what we've been through over the last 18 months. And so Jesus is saying today, you know, look around. Look around. Our, our own families, our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, there are so many people who've not yet experienced a new life in Jesus Christ. The harvest is plentiful. A couple years ago, I shared this before in a tangible Kingdom Leaders Huddle. And uh, it's just a chart of, uh, of people's religious uh, views here in our own neighborhood, and our own community. And if you wanna put that chart up, you'll notice right away there's two big groups and they're almost about the same. Uh, the first one is Catholic. And uh, shouldn't surprise anybody there, 37.7% of our neighborhood is Catholic. And I got to be honest, before moving into the neighborhood here, I didn't really know a lot of Catholics, I didn't know a lot about Catholicism, and I've met a lot of Catholics. I have a lot of Catholic neighbors, and what I'm noticing with a lot of the Catholics I'm meeting is they're very disconnected at a personal level from maybe the church that they grew up in. It's not all of them, but, but many of them, I'm finding, are, are often Catholic in name and in name only. And, and sometimes they're not even that much different than the second big piece of the pie there, and, and that's the nuns. 36.4% of our neighborhood have no religious faith. When, when asked, what is your religious faith, they check the box, none. They're not connected to a church. Uh, Do you guys think Jesus was right when he said the harvest is plentiful? Absolutely. There are so many opportunities for us to shine the light of Jesus where we live, work, and play. But did you guys catch the problem in our passage, Luke 10, 2? He said the harvest is plentiful, but what? What does he say? The workers are few. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say nobody's interested in hearing about God. He didn't say that. He's saying there are, not enough, there are not enough workers who are willing to share the good news of Jesus. It's not, the problem is not that we're not in the harvest field. We are. We're here. The harvest is ready. There are just not enough laborers who are working in our field, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, on our high school campus. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus is saying. But the workers are few. So what can we do? Jesus tells us. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I want to invite you today to begin to pray this prayer. To find time in the morning to say, God, I pray. That you would begin to send out workers into your harvest field. I pray that you would raise people up to share the hope that we have of Jesus Christ. God asks for, for messengers who will share the everlasting gospel. Good news of great joy. I invite you to begin to pray that. And while you're praying that prayer, would you pray for the people that you know who don't know Jesus Christ? Would you pray for hearts that are receptive? Would you pray for spiritual eyes to be opened? And would you pray that God would bring people into the lives of friends, loved ones, family members, who will be fearless and courageous in sharing the hope of Jesus Christ? I love what Lee Strobel said. He said, before you start to talk with your friends about Jesus, why don't you talk to Jesus first about your friends? That's a great, important line. Before you talk to your friends about Jesus, why don't you talk to Jesus first about your friends? I think we could all start here today. In fact, this is where Jesus asks us to start. To start in the place of prayer. As we champion Jesus in our relationships, we're starting with prayer. Number two, go. I love this. So we start to pray. And as we begin to pray for laborers, God, would you send people out into the harvest field? You start to realize that maybe, just maybe, we might be the answer to that prayer. I don't know if you kind of get that feeling. It's like, that's pretty clever, Jesus. Asked you to pray for the workers? Uh, I get it. I'm supposed to be one of those workers. In fact, this is the second step in Jesus' person of peace strategy. It's the word go. Luke 10, 3 through 4. Go. I am sending you. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. Remember, Jesus says, I'm going I'm to be close behind. So Jesus says, go, I am sending you. Is there going to be risk? Yeah. Are there going to be times where we're afraid or feel like we're out of our comfort zone? Absolutely, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And then he gives this list of things that we're not supposed to bring. Oh, don't take your purse, don't take your shoes, leave your iPhone at home, all those things. It's very interesting, 12 chapters later, Jesus reverses that. He says, oh, you better take those things in light of his death and resurrection. But the message is the same. And the message is, go, I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. Go. You guys remember Jesus' last command on the earth? The very last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's gathered his disciples one last time. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth Has been given to me. I am coming back again. And by the way, he is coming back again. He says, In the meantime, this this disciple of Jesus, this follower of Jesus, is your job profile. Go, therefore, into all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The call on our lives is to go. Go. I'm sending you out. I think sometimes we we feel like we want to, we want to. Retreat from the world. We want to leave the world. But Jesus is saying, go into the world. This was Jesus' last command. And we want to be a church, Hope Community Church, where Jesus' last command is our very first priority. We do not want to be a workers are few church. We want to be a workers are many church. A couple of years ago, God began to put this this dream on my heart, that we as a church would commission 100 neighborhood missionaries. I don't know how many people we have in the room today. Last Sunday, we hit a new record, 100 people worshiping at Hope for the first time since the pandemic began. I mean, we celebrated that as a staff. Two years ago, we began to ask, what if we could commission 100 neighborhood missionaries here at Hope Community Church to go to those places where we live, work, and play? The harvest is plentiful, guys, but the workers are few. And I just want to invite you today. Would you be one of those 100 missionaries? We're training you. We're equipping you through tangible kingdom, through the art of neighboring. We want to give you the tools to be able to do this where you live, work, and play. So we pray, we're always praying, we go, Jesus is sending us number three, find, find, it's the third, third step here. What do we find? We find people of peace. This is why we call this Jesus's person of peace strategy. At The center of Jesus's strategy for us is that we would go out prayerfully and find those people of peace. Listen to Jesus, Luke 10, 5 through 6. Jesus says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, it's literally a person of peace. Check some other translations. uh, The man of peace, the person of peace. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it'll return to you. Jesus is sending us out. He's saying, go, pray, go, and look for that person of peace. Find a person of peace. What do we learn about the person of peace in this passage? Who is a person of peace? What is, what is this whole concept here? Well, here's what we learn about the person of peace. Number one, someone who's not a Christian. Jesus has sent the 72 out. They're going to proclaim the kingdom of God to those who maybe haven't even heard of it about it before. They're not a Christian. Number two, they open the door to you. Verse five, they receive your blessing and show interest. Verse six, they welcome you into their home and into their life. Verse seven and eight. So what is a person of peace? This is how I define it. A person of peace is someone who doesn't follow Jesus, but they welcome you into their life, Jesus and all. That's a pretty special person. You meet someone, they're not a follower of Jesus, but they sure welcome you into their life. Not only are they open to you, but they seem to be okay with the Jesus inside of you. You don't have to hide your faith. Maybe you mention praying. Hey, I'm praying for you. And they're receptive to that. Maybe you talk about, about your church or some, an aspect of your faith, and, and they seem to be open about that. Maybe. Maybe you serve them in some way and they receive that as a blessing of God. This is a person of peace. It's somebody who's welcoming you into their life, Jesus and all. Four and a half years ago, we moved into our home, into our neighborhood. We began to meet our neighbors. And when we met our next door neighbors, we started to get to know them, Glenn and Cindy. And they're really a picture of that chart that we showed earlier. Cindy has that Catholic background, and, and Glenn, he's, he's one of the nuns. In fact, he said, uh, I learned pretty quickly, but by the way, when you're a pastor, you kind of have the faith conversation early on, like, somebody's either going to like that or not like that, you know, like, so that comes up, and, and I quickly find out, you know, Glenn, he's like, you know, I, the only time I'm going to go to a church is for my own funeral, and that's what he would always say, and is it, isn't it amazing That over the course of these last four and a half years, my neighbor Glenn would show up at church for a Christmas Eve service, go to their house for a meal, and he'd always be like, hey, you want to pray? Want to pray for the meal? Me being a pastor never seemed to be an obstacle. Were they followers of Jesus? No. Person of peace? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about going out to find people of peace. Look for somebody who really welcomes you into their life. Like, you like them, they like you, but you don't have to hide your faith. Because they're not just open to you. They're actually, indirectly, they're open to the Jesus inside of you. That's a person of peace. That's a really special relationship. So Jesus sends us out to find the person of peace. And then what does he say? He says stay. Stay with that person. Invest in that relationship. That's the next step. Stay. Verse 7, Jesus says, and this is the key right here to the whole thing. Jesus says, stay there, eating and drinking. He actually says, do not move around from house to house. It's very interesting. Jesus is bringing some focus to our mission here. So we're praying God, send out workers into your harvest field. Open hearts, we're praying, we're meeting people, we're making connections, maybe we're putting some of those names on our block map, we're praying for those people, maybe we're having some meals with some people, we're building those relationships and we begin to find out that someone we're connecting with is a person of peace. They're open to us, they're open to the Jesus inside of us and Jesus says, stay there. You find somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, who likes you and is open to God, that's a significant relationship. God can do something in that relationship. And so Jesus says, stay there. Invest in that relationship. Literally, he says, eat and drink. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that already. <laughs> Jesus is like, hang out with that person. Have some fun. By the way, going on mission for Jesus is fun. Right, we're going we're to party. We're going to have some Food. We're going to do some fun things, invite some people to a game. We're going to watch God do something amazing in that relationship. It's a person of peace strategy. That's why Jesus says stay with them. Don't move from house to house. Bring some focus to your mission. Angie and I meet other people. We've met them in our own neighborhood. We make that connection. We've written them down on the neighborhood map. You guys might be surprised to hear this. Not everybody wants to be our friends. I know that's hard to believe. (laughs) Is that okay? Absolutely. It's okay. You know what Jesus says? He says, shake the dust off your feet and move on. It just might not be the time for that relationship. And that's okay. Find the person of peace and stay with them. Pour into that relationship. That's Jesus' strategy for sharing our faith. So we got pray, go, find, stay. Good job, every guy. I'm not usually a five-point sermon guy, okay? But you guys are doing great today. Thank you. Last one, share, share. Verse 8 and 9. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. We're going to eat some more. I'm excited for that. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, here's the share, Kingdom of God has come near to you. I love the action steps here. He says, eat, eat. Can we? Can we share a meal? Can we go out for wings? Can we go get some coffee? Eat. Heal. Heal. Can I pray for you? Right. Get to know somebody's story. Can I pray for you? Can I support you? Can I serve you in some way? And then the last one is share. Hey, let me tell you, by the way, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom. One of the things Jesus said about the kingdom, he said, the kingdom is within you. And wherever you go, you bring the kingdom. Did you know that? Wherever you go, you're bringing the kingdom, kingdom of heaven with you. We have these little opportunities. We get to peel back the curtain and go, hey, by the way, that's God. By the way, we were praying for that and God answered that prayer. I know you're not a believer, but hey, can we just praise God a little bit for what just happened there? The kingdom of God has come near to you. Parents, when we mess up with our kids, It's a great opportunity just to say, you know what? I'm a sinner too. This is why I need Jesus too. We have these little opportunities almost daily to just say, look, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I had a moment this week, totally unexpected. I'm working on refinancing my mortgage, you know, all these crazy things we do. And the rate was like nice and low. But do you know how rates go up and down? Well, in this case, it was more the up than the down. And the guy was watching the rape for me. And it was going up, and he felt bad because I didn't lock it in. And, uh, and I was going to lock it in Monday morning this last week. But I knew they were going up. And so I was praying in the shower. You ever prayed that, that prayer, God? Lord, I could use that 2.75 or whatever, you know. And I get a call in the next hour. Mortgage guy, he's like, hey, you won't believe this. We found somebody, an investor who will do it at 2.75. And I was like, no kidding. Do you know I was praying for that in the shower this morning? This is an answer to prayer. He didn't really say anything about that. (laughs) It was not a part of our conversation at all. But it was just an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We have a God who's working, who answers prayer, and by the way, the kingdom of God has come near to you. These are the moments that we get to have. And and if you're here today, and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, we're just so glad you're here. And I want you to know today more than anything else, God loves you, and you can have a relationship with God, and it's not based on what you need to do for God. That's so important. You can have a relationship with God today based on what God has already done for you. See, he came. He died on the cross for your sins. He loved you so much. He rose from the dead so that you could be forgiven, so that you could receive eternal life. Eternal life, it just means with being, being with God forever. He's inviting you into a brand new life. Couldn't be more amazing. And it's as simple as surrendering your life to Jesus Christ saying, God, you are worthy, you're the center of everything, and I want you to be the center of my life today. That's all it is. It's taking that moment to trust in Jesus as the leader and savior of your life. And if you will do that today, you will begin a brand new relationship with God. It'll, it's the most amazing thing in the world. And for, for the rest of us here today, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and we're thinking about, Thinking about the people in our own life who don't know Christ. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a a co-worker, whatever it is. And I learned this from Dave Runyon, and I think this is important to share. When it comes to loving our neighbors, I want you to know that I have an ultimate motive in loving my neighbors. And my motive is right there on on the banner. My motive is that, that as I love my neighbor, that their life would be transformed by God. But even though I have an ultimate motive, I do not have an ulterior motive. Do you guys know the difference there? I have an ultimate motive, but it's not an ulterior motive. I'm not knocking on doors, looking for somebody to write on my map, to invite them to dinner, so that I can pull out my big guns, my fake $20 bill, gospel tract, best tract of 2019. See if you can handle this. (laughs) It's not what it is at all. There's no ulterior motive in loving somebody. Do I have an ultimate motive? Absolutely. First Peter says, always be ready. Give an answer for the hope that's within you. So I do have ultimate motives. But I also recognize I'm not the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest can't change somebody's heart. Only God can change somebody's heart. What's my job? My job is to care. My job is to love someone so much that I'm willing to stay with them. I'm willing to listen to them. I'm willing to hear their story. I'm willing to to share Jesus as God gives me opportunity. That's my ultimate motive. There is no ulterior motive there. He is the Lord of he's given us some great instructions. This handy tool that we can use. Not in an ulterior way, but in an ultimate way. Let's pray. Let's go. Let's find those people of peace. Stay with them and share the hope that is within us. And guys, if we'll do this, if we're faithful to this, if we'll faithfully love our neighbors, all all the fruit is there. I've seen God work in so many incredible ways over the last years as as I've done this. God does the work. It's, It's really incredible. The question I have as we end is just a simple one. Will we live this out as a church? Will you be one of those 100 missionaries trained and equipped to go out to love your neighbors, to share your faith? In the past, when we send missionaries out from Hope and to be honest, I'm pretty pumped to do this again. It's been a while since we've had a commissioning, and I hope we get to do this again. But when we commission people for a mission, we're gonna send them out somewhere into the world. Remember what we do? We bring them up on stage, we pray for them, we commission them, that's what I wanna do for you today. I wanna commission us for mission. I want to commission our church family. If you're willing to be commissioned, I want to pray a prayer of commissioning over you. Isaiah hears the Lord. After, you remember when Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, holy, 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 he says, woe am I, I'm a sinful man. And then there's that coal from the altar that atones for his sin. And then he hears the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And so I want to invite you today. You're willing to stand and to answer that question. It goes out to all the earth. Who will go for us? And and Isaiah is saying, here am I, send me. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to stand right now. Would you stand and allow me to pray for you, for the mission that God has given you, to send you out to be a light in your home, in your family, in your workplace. And maybe you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. I want to invite you to stand as well. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for calling us forward. We stand today because we want to be used by you. We're standing here today because we love you, because we know that... That you've changed our life and that, that there is no sacrifice greater than living our life for you. And so today we give you our lives. Today, God, we commission this church family for mission. And we ask that we would hear you sending us out. Go, Jesus says. I am sending you. The word commission means entrust mission. And We are a church that entrusts you today with the mission of God. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. Would we receive power this morning to go out to our Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth? Some of us today, you're calling us even to the ends of the earth. We want to say yes, even to that, God. We say yes to the adventure of following you. So give us those opportunities, Lord. Work in our hearts, work in our lives. And we pray for this community. We pray for hearts that are open to you. Would you lead us to those people? We pray for eyes to be open. And would you send out us today as those laborers, to your harvest field. You are the Lord of the harvest. So Jesus, lead us today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church family. I love being a part of a church where we live on mission together. Let's worship him.